right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where there may not be an I in team, but there is definitely an I puck between LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma. And that, hey. that I think, is worth way more than overall team chemistry. What about you, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, dude. Those guys, those guys know us up. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, and we're just going to get right into it. We've only got a short time to spare today. Quick preface that we're recording this before the Lakers game against the Timberwolves, so just keep that in mind. Um, But Tommy, I am titling this episode, The Cavalry Cometh, The Cleveland Cavalry Ears, uh, and LeBron James for obvious reasons. So, The Lakers have won two straight games after the All-Star break. And I think you and I would both agree, the last time we talked, uh, we mentioned that we were excited for this Sands AD run. And uh, what ended up proceeding that podcast uh, ended up being an absolute disaster. But I think these first two games coming out of the All-Star break is more of what we had envisioned when we said, we're excited to see guys step up. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would agree. Um. Oh, yeah. Do you want to expound <laughs> any more? No, no, no. I'll keep, I'll keep it concise. I okay. So I'll just run through some quick things really quick. Last night, the Lakers absolutely pummeled the Golden State Warriors. Cal yeah. Kuzma is shooting 12 of 25 from three uh, in his last four games. That's 48%. Yeah. He is up to 37.5% from three on the year. He also has 11 double-doubles. This is just six double-doubles off his career high total in one year which he got his rookie season when he was averaging about five to six more minutes. Um, Let's land on Kyle Kuzma really quick, just because this podcast is essentially becoming a Kyle Kuzma legacy podcast because I I can't say enough about this dude. Um, (laughs) He is one, two, three, four, five. He is seventh in the NBA in defensive rating. The entire NBA, by the way. That's Um, crazy. LeBron James is third, and we can definitely talk about LeBron James' defense because he has looked uh, mighty defensible recently. Um, But Kyle Kuzma being number seven, and just to show you that this list isn't a sham when it comes to defensive rating, uh, Kyle Kuzma is right behind Miles Turner, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Clint Capella, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Rudy Gobert, okay? And he's ahead of Ben Simmons and Bam Adebayo. So what have your thoughts been on freaking Mr. Cal Kuzma, the Pejmina Prophet, the Pejmina Prince? Cal Kuzman uh, has been really good for us this year. I mean, so look, it's it's so funny. I think after his rookie year, we all kind of got a thought of what this guy was going to be, right? And he was obviously horrendous defensively, but you thought that maybe that would get up to like average and he was really going to be like a scorer type of player. Um, he has become such a well-rounded dynamic impact player for us on both ends. And I think that really happened because of kind of his growing pains of, you know, getting through a sophomore slump, getting used to playing first with LeBron, then with LeBron and AD. Uh, last year, everybody, you know, a lot of people kind of wrote off Look, he he played well defensively last year, but he did not have a good year. Like, objectively overall, did not have a great year, certainly to what everybody expected. But, you know, the team stuck with him. People stuck with him. And I I think it's, like, it's paying off so insanely well right now. I mean, he is not just doing stuff that he was doing as a rookie. He's hitting threes at a more efficient percentage. His jump shot looks fluid. He seems to have like regained his touch in the paint on these like floaters and runners that he you know kind of lived off of as a rookie playing you know in the mm-hmm. pick and roll with Lonzo. Um, 
So he's kind of gotten all that back. But on top of that, he hasn't not, he's not only like not lost a step on defense, but like he's added this like rebounding dynamic to his game where he, you always have to like, it's like you have to game plan for him now, right? As like an offensive rebounder because he's always crashing the boards. Um, he's playing a lot more in the wings, which I think is his more natural position. But, you know, even putting all of this stuff to the side, he's like, he's also not making like some of the dumb mistakes he was making earlier yeah. this year. Like, and like it seems like when he has the open shot, he takes it. When he, has the lane to drive, he drives. When he has the time to make a pass, he's not, like, flinging these, like, wild passes that are resulting in turnovers. Although he's making, like, that Magic Johnson no-look fling pass to Trez was mighty oh, yeah. nice. He's, like, basically Magic Johnson for this team. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I mean, that that pass was sick. Like, I mean, it literally, it, it was this season that he couldn't, it seemed like he couldn't do stuff like that. So yeah. it, it's crazy just within this year how it seems like he's kind of all put it together. Rob is going to look like a straight genius Ooh, all the time this season. Twelve million a year. I mean, for locking that dude up for that price because you can think what you want about Kyle Kuzma or how good he is or how not or he's a boss. I don't know. People get so like sensitive about this topic for some reason, but regardless of what you may think, there are not that many guys in the NBA who are six nine and can defend. And Kyle Kuzma is one. And not only can he defend, he can hit an open shot like. Okay, he's not Steph Curry, but you ain't got to be Steph Curry, mm-hmm. according to Charles Barkley's famous. <laughs> Charles Barkley said that at some point. You ain't got to be Steph Curry, but you know he can still hit an open shot. He's a threat, and and that's all you really need him to be. And he can do that. And and he's six nine and plays defense. There's not that many guys in the league like this. And for that reason, it's going to end up looking like such a value pick. And he's having a great year. I can't say enough good things. Dude, his versatility on defense, you got him playing Sabonis on one end, Jokic on the other, and then all of a sudden trying to lock down Steph Curry and these different guards. Yeah. And it's it's ridiculous. They're not hitting shots on him anymore. And it, it's to the point where it's comical. And I think my, my sum up of Kyle Kuzma this year is it finally feels like now that his floater game's coming back, he looks way more athletic this season. Maybe he's been saving his legs the like because of the last year when all he did was shoot threes and stand on the perimeter. But it seems like he has a lot more pop off those legs, especially on those put-back dunks. Last night he was dunking the hell out of the ball. I mean, that lob that uh, THT threw him where he kind of just skied out of nowhere was so dynamic. I was like, oh, shit, Kyle Kuzma, okay. But most of all, I think the way that I'd sum up Kyle Kuzma is just the fact that it seems like finally he's firing on all cylinders. I think we've seen bits and pieces of this Kuzma here and there, right? Even the defensive Kuzma we saw a little bit in the bubble pre-playoffs. But then when the playoffs started, his shot his shot failed him, right? So there would always be at least one or two things off with Kyle Kuzma where if his defense was there, his shot wouldn't be there. If his shot was there, then all of a sudden his defense would be lacking. Even if he had his three-point shot, all of a sudden he couldn't hit like a floater to save his life, right? But all of a sudden we're, we're catching him at this very opportune moment where everything is firing on all cylinders. I have no idea how long it lasts, but man, just the growth of Kyle Kuzma is so encouraging to see. We've We've taken like a weird backwards approach to finally getting here, but I don't think Kyle Kuzma would change it for the world when it comes to his development. Um, okay, next guy, Montrez Harrell. As LeBron James has said, he catches and makes everything Montrez Harrell. He's shooting a scorching, ungodly 32 of 47 from the field in his last three games. That is 68% on an average of 23 points per game. Look, before these three games, um, 
Trez was struggling on defense. Vogel had to sit him a couple times in the crunch in crunch time. I think what we're seeing now is a more intentional effort to get Trez activated and involved. And while he's still getting kind of burned, um, catching these big bodies uh, that have left him in like no man's land, alone on an island where he's just kind of getting eaten up, uh, I feel like Frank Vogel has also found ways to put him in more uh, better positions defensively where he can utilize his length a little bit more. But most of all, I think offensively, getting him in more pick and rolls and just the fact that, yeah, whether it's pick and rolls with LeBron James, pick and rolls with Schroeder, pick and rolls with THT, and now Kyle Kuzma. I mean, uh, Trez is definitely taking uh, advantage of all of that. So your quick thoughts on Trez. Trez has been just like totally phenomenal for us, right? It's pretty much best case scenario of what we expected when we signed him. If anything, and and... You know, sometimes we put too much pressure, or at least maybe I do subconsciously, right, on kind of expecting that guys should be, it's like NBA 2K, right? Like you just drop a guy into a new roster and it's like, oh, so he's just going to do the things that he does, but now he's on a different team. But it takes the humanity aspect out of it a little bit to think about things like that. I mean, this guy had had been on the Clippers for four years or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, He had to learn how to play with LeBron. He had to learn how to play with AD. He had to, you know, his minutes went down. Um, he had to learn when was the right time to get his shots. I mean, we have a culture that I think really works well for us, but that culture is also f- kind of reliant on everybody buying into the fact that this team runs through LeBron and AD, and you are kind of just going to get whatever else there is. Um, it takes guys some time to get up to that point, right? So I think Trez, it's taken some time, but... I, you know, beyond the scoring, which I think another absurd number I saw, he's shooting like over 75% at the rim, yeah. which this dude is six foot eight, right? This is not like Andre Drummond tip dunking stuff in, right? Like he, he's like a legitimate, legitimate, has like amazing touch. I mean, the coaches and LeBron, I mean, they're all right, right? He does anything you throw around the, he catches some terrible passes yeah. in the paint and not only catches them, but around like a bunch of giants will just go up and get the shot off and somehow makes it. And, his and his body like, contortion is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and for a guy who plays his style, he really does not turn the ball over that much. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's pretty crazy. So, you know, I think beyond all that, the, the biggest thing for me that I wish more people would talk about, and, and I think they don't because like Trez is undersized. So he gets into situations on defense where he just gets worked and, and it's nothing about him or anything else. It's just like, if he's, he can't guard a Jokic one-on-one, right? Like that was one mm-hmm. example, but I think that discussion takes away from the fact that he has been so good defensively for us this year and is actually like a very legitimate, like defensive threat out there. Like, I don't know if he's learned from LeBron about kind of taking like on the pick and rolls, he, he's, he's, he's really good at defending whether we're switching or whether we're, you know, he's kind of sinking back and, and guarding the pass. Like he, he's done very well on that. He's, he's improved in my opinion, as a man defender, he's really stood in there and taken the contact. Um, he has really good, uh, instincts and, and obviously amazing wingspan. So he gets a good amount of steals. Um, he take he's second in the league in charges taken, which is one thing that we kind of flagged mm-hmm. before the season started. So beyond his offensive impact, this dude defensively is so good. I mean, legitimately, he is so, so good. And he should be a starter on, I mean, he could be a starter on a contending team, but, you know, we're lucky to have him. And um, 
and, and, and I can't say enough good things about him either. I mean, you know, these guys are going to be so crucial for us if we, with given some of the matchups we're anticipating, you know, potentially happening in the playoffs and maybe even in the finals. And we're going to need guys like this to really step up and be stars in their, in their roles. And it, it there aren't that many guys who we could, you could be like, Oh, the starting bigs are out throw Tress in there and he's going to go score 30 on 78% shooting. And, you know, like, like you don't really miss a beat. Like you could throw it to, I, the only thing I regret about this season, you know, maybe from the coaching perspective and maybe they had a good reason to not do this, but like getting him touches on lineups where there wasn't a lot of creation happening. You know, last year we, we relied so much on Rondo to create. I don't think Schroeder is that same type of player. Schroeder is more of a, score first guard. And I think on a lot of lineups that we throw out there with Trez, if LeBron needs a break or we don't have a true playmaker out there, throw the ball into Trez and just let him go to work. Because that is honestly like one of the most, he's like one of the top, I think 10 percentile in efficiency in straight post-ups in the NBA. He's like super, super effective at that. And, and I almost wish we went to it earlier, but it seems like we're starting to go to him a lot more, looking for him a lot more understanding. It's not the same thing as JaVale and Dwight, where we could just guys could just toss the ball up straight up in the air and they would go catch it. Right. It's like, you kind of have to get him the ball in different ways in different spots, but like, he is more effective even than those guys at, at right. finishing in the paint once he gets it. So, so it's all been good with him. Yeah, I'll say post ups and straight face ups, right? Because that because that's his game. I will say though, before this last stretch, that is what they were doing with Trez, not to the extent that you're talking about. But I'm actually glad that they've switched things up and mixed things up with the actual pick and roll initiation because that was his bread and butter with the Clippers, and now he's doing that pick and roll with several other players. And the one thing I'll add about him defensively is I'll, I agree with you. I'll caveat that with saying if you put him in the right positions, flanked by the right personnel. And the last two games especially, against the Indiana Pacers when the Lakers made their run in the fourth quarter and then obviously all of last night, when he's been with LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma and they've the Lakers have been rabid and scrambling on defense and just locking things down on the perimeter versus him having to go up against a big body where he can't really impede a guy who's like seven foot, that's where he really excels and you can make use of his energy and his long arms. Um, before we take it to break, um, I really wanted, really quickly wanted to just mention that THT last night got his first double-double of his career. And if I had told you, hey, THT got his first double-double, you'd probably say, oh, he got like 10 rebounds, right? But to me, it was so impressive that he got his first double-double with assists. And I think at the start of this season, you probably would have not imagined that. Maybe preseason you would have, but to start the regular season, I felt like he was really struggling from a playmaking, like decision-making aspect on the offensive end with all the turnovers and whatnot. But the fact that he had 10 assists with only two turnovers last night, and granted, you know, it was against the Golden State Warriors on the second night of a back-to-back, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you see his connection with Trez. You saw it before this game, and it's just so encouraging to see THT sort of start to develop and progress in that aspect at age 20. You know, he just turned 20 this season. So your quick one-minute thought on THT getting his first double-double and the playmaking aspect. No, I I think you're absolutely right. Like, getting a double-double is one thing, but doing it the way he did, we haven't seen really that dynamic from him. Um, Sue talks about this a lot, if if anybody, you know, watches Spectrum, but... THT has been playing so much more under control lately than he ever did when he was in the first half of the season. I was going to say earlier in his career, but that was like the first half of the season, <laughs> like earlier in his career, like two months ago. Um, but 
he he does really seem like he's in control. I mean, there was a stretch there where he was in, like, and and we both admitted it. I mean, he was incredibly ineffective. He he couldn't get anything done. He was kind of out of control, um, and it was just really hard to uh, kind of keep up. It was really hard for him to keep up. It felt like the game was going too fast, but he's picked up a lot and is playing a lot more under control. And I think it's being reflected in his playmaking and. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if he, if he can stick to the steady kind of pace he's playing with, if he can hit jumpers, continue to hit jumpers, I mean, the sky's the limit for this dude and and he's the future, right? It's like he's 20. So it's hard to, it's hard to figure out exactly what he's going to be, but he's the future. Right. And before we take it to break quickly, KCP seems like he's back. He hit three threes last night and looked a little swaggy. Looked a little swaggy on those releases for sure. Wes Matthews even hit a three-pointer. Markeith Morris, I want to get to him after the turnaround. Um, But yeah, that's why I named this episode The Cavalry Cometh because it seems like things are starting to click and the guys are starting to step into their roles. But more so, it seems like Frank Vogel's sort of turned the page in terms of, all right, time to implement some stuff in in my playbook and time to act like Anthony Davis is going to be out for a while. So we need to, you know, forge on ahead. And so it seems like everybody has... There's a lot of intentionality on all sides right now for the Lakers, and that can only be a good thing. So uh, before we take it to break, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. I don't know what's it going to take to get at least one review in this 2021 year. Don't make me have to earpuck you over the mic in order to do so. But if I have to do so, I'm earpucking you right now to give us at least one five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. All right, with that said, we'll take it to break. And when we return, we'll close this episode out and quickly talk about maybe some trade and buyout options that the Lakers can look at. The trade deadline is next week. It's crazy. All right, break first. All right, so we're back. Before we get to some quick a quick rundown of players on the potential trade and buyout market that the Lakers could look at besides uh, Damian Jones, Tommy, Markeith Morris, I told you that guy's good. So, yeah, you did. In the last five games, Markeith Morris is 11 of 21 from three. Holy shit. As the starting forward in 25 minutes, only 25 minutes, he's averaging nine points, six rebounds, 48% from the field, 41% from three. Um, Your thoughts on Vogel's genius 3D chessing here, where at the start I was like, yo, you're going to bench our best two-way player besides LeBron James right now in Kyle Kuzma and start our worst player in Markeith Morris? Well, it's paid off. It has. And and I will, you know, eat crow on this one because I was like, this dude's done. Like, I don't know. Like, I know he's not washed or anything. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just, I, I it felt like his effectiveness in this system definitely, it, it was feeling to me like it was peaked as of last year, right? Like, okay, that's it. We've seen what he's going to be. He'll never be as good as that again. And and it wasn't just the shooting, which, by the way, had dropped horrendous. I mean, it dropped like 10%, right, from three, um, which is a huge drop, considering that was a huge part of his value to us last year. But the other, the issue that I was having beyond that was he wasn't playing very well defensively at all. Mm-hmm. Um, once his shot started to fall which I didn't even know he was shooting that well, but that's great. Um, his defense has started to pick up. He's played a lot more tough. He's played a lot more in his role. He looks a lot more confident when he goes for his shot. I think that's another thing too. Again, there's like a psychology aspect to this. Like yep. when we when we picked up Markeith last year and Kuz was struggling for most of the season, it was essentially like, okay, you're like our third best player now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to go out there and be like the third best player. And and so I think, you know, maybe that factored in a little bit for him. But, you know, this year it's like, okay, well, we got LeBron, we got AD, we got Schroeder, we got Mar- Montrez. Like, 
especially Montrez, who's like a guy directly taking minutes away from him, right? Especially Marcus Saul, another guy taking directly taking minutes and kind of roll away from him to some respect. But, you know, I, I think he's settled in finally. Um, I won't blame the short off season, but look, the guy has not played many long seasons in his career. If I don't know how many, but I don't think he's been to the playoffs. I've been to the playoffs that many times. I'm probably blanking on an obvious one, but certainly in recent years, not that many, not that many times. Um, so maybe he came in like not up to shape, not in perfect shape, not fully mentally checked in, but whatever Vogel is, I, I don't know, dude, I, I question this guy sometimes, but like he seems to know his guys very yeah. well. And I think that's a really important thing for a coach because he was willing to make some, some sacrifice to get this guy where he thought he needed to be. And now he's there and he is going to be a huge asset for us moving forward. If he can keep this up, which I don't think is like crazy to ask. It's not like, yeah. you know, Caruso starting the season shooting 60% from three. Like I think this, like what Marquise is doing right now is sustainable. He did it in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah, exactly. He did it in the playoffs over a huge sample, taking a ton of high volume three. Right. And I think, so, it, yeah, um, I mean, I think at the end yeah. of the day, you just don't want to have to all of a sudden in an emergency situation, turn to this guy and cold turkey, expect him to produce. Right. So it's good that Frank Vogel has got him on this plan. Um, quickly, before we get to some names, I just really wanted to quickly shout out LeBron James. He had a triple double last night. He's been playing tremendous defense. It seems like he, the, the all-star break really re-energized and refreshed him. And it seems like he's going to make every single turnaround one-footed fadeaway jump shot from here on out, I think, right? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. He just throws it up into the rafters <laughs> and it comes in. Yeah, he's got that Dirk shot down. It's, it's nuts. All right, Tommy, to close this episode, um, the trade deadline is, is next week. I'm not sure if the Lakers are looking more so for trades as opposed to what the collateral yeah. damage is uh, once those trades are made and who gets bought out and whatnot. Um, what are your thoughts on the buyout market right now? Damian Jones seems more like a stopgap. I mentioned it to you beforehand, but I was like, man, if there was one flyer big that we could have gotten that's more versatile than Damian Jones, I wish we had gotten uh, Justin Patton, uh, who's now playing for the Houston Rockets, because that guy was a mid-lotto pick uh, in 2017. He, he can hit threes. He can block shots. I think he has like a seven foot four, seven foot five wingspan. Um, but anyways, not not hating on Damian Jones. Um, but what are your thoughts on these rumors about Andre Drummond, um, Otto Porter? Maybe although Otto Porter, I don't know if you can count on him health wise, but he does give you that uh, additional you know wing defender. Uh, PJ Tucker is a trade candidate. I think the Rockets are trying to hold out uh, to see if they can get any sort of asset back for him. So far, talks have stalled because they're insisting on getting a young player. Some Lakers fans totally lost their minds before All-Star break and wanted to trade Trez. They wanted to trade THT. (laughs) Clearly, none of that is going to happen. And at this point, it may behoove the Rockets to just play nice and buy out P.J. Tucker. So what are your thoughts on some of those options? Uh, I've got another. I I can probably maybe also add some lower, lower tier guys who have a chance at getting bought out. Um, Guys like Aminu on the Orlando Magic. I don't know what this guy has left in his tank, but he is another wing defender. Maybe Garrett Temple on the Chicago Bulls. Um, But yeah, what are your thoughts on the crop that might be available right now? So I I think that... Um, okay, I'm just going to go specifically with P.J. Tucker. Um, I would love P.J. Tucker. If he gets bought out, he's going to the Nets. I, it's an annoying <laughs> because everyone's going to the Nets, but like Harden's but there, Danny's there. 
They do, but PJ Tucker's not like a bad defender. Is he? I mean, he's undersized, so he doesn't. No, I said like he. They need defense specifically, so he would have like an immediate role to fill. Oh yeah, oh, like. exactly. Okay, I see what you're getting. At. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So that's kind of how I was viewing that too. And and you know, obviously the fact that he has the relationship with Harden and D'Antoni, etc. Um, I, I am kind of writing him off at this point, unless we were able to come to a trade, which I don't think we're going to do. Um, yeah. But you know, in terms of other guys, I would say. It's interesting because if you asked me this question three weeks ago, I would say that none of these guys were going to get bought out. So this is like a pointless discussion. But after Blake Griffin got bought out, I think it's like a lot more <laughs> legitimate. Um, I think we have a shot at Andre Andre Drummond, and I would absolutely take him. Seven foot six wingspan, bro. I mean, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, look, is that a guy I want to spend 20 million on? Is that a no. guy I want to like try to find 20 million of contracts to match on? Like, Probably, definitely no, but if you can get him as like a, you know, makeshift, like essentially do what JaVale did, but like Uber JaVale, you know what I mean? Like catching lobs, running the floor. He's not the best defender, so he's not like a Dwight for us, but like he can play basketball. I mean, he gets a ton of rebounds, which, Mm -hmm. you know, when we gang rebound, we're a very good rebounding team, but we tend to get lazy on rebounds. And it was a problem last year. And and in some games this year, it's been a problem as well. But, you know, you throw him in there, he adds that dynamic. He adds the vertical, you know, threat dynamic. He he adds a lot of, like, interesting dynamics to this team that I think could be really good. So I would for sure look at him. I think we have a legit shot there, and I'm sure they will look at him. Um, I don't know who else because we do have the two spots, and I really don't know, like, who else – that could potentially be bought out would really have a for certain role on this team. Um, you know, of course, like until this dude retires, Trevor Ariza is going to be linked to the Lakers. So like if Trevor Ariza some, gets bought, I don't even know where he is at this point, but yeah, if he get if he gets bought out, like maybe that's somebody they take a look at. I'm not really sure though, like beyond another big man, where exactly we're going to look. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I was, like you, I wasn't too keen on Andre Drummond, but just seeing the needs of this team, you just need the more athletic, mobile version of Marc Gasol as, as another big. And Andre Drummond is 6'11 right. with a 7'6 wingspan. He's just a big body who can put a hurt on people uh, the right. way that Markeith Morris, Trez can't. And then Otto Porter, I love. Uh, I think in a limited role, he could hold up health-wise. I'm just not sure whether it's realistic the Bulls actually buy him out. If the Spurs weren't so keen to always shun the Lakers... Um, LaMarcus Aldridge as a buyout candidate is definitely there on the table. So is Rudy Gay. I love Rudy Gay because it seems like mm. he's found the you know fountain of youth somehow and is still a long-ass wing defender who can you know bring stuff on the offensive end, almost like a Markeith Morris of sorts, but more versatile. Um, in terms of trades, I'd maybe look at, and we can get into this discussion further next week when we you know preview the trade deadline or whatever, but New Orleans Noel is out there on the New York Knicks. Um, Larry Nance is there on on the Cleveland Cavs. If there was if there was any player that we could we would actually be trading any assets for, it would be guys like Larry Nance. I feel like and former Laker Larry Nance, and then maybe a guy like Terrence right. Ross on the Orlando Magic because I, I think the Lakers, and you know he might shoot shit once he gets to the Lakers, but the Lakers always need more shooting. <laughs> Depending on who is right, going right. to struggle at a certain month, it's like okay, well maybe Terrence Ross can uh, you know stem the tide when KCP or Kyle Kuzma is shooting like shit, right? So as as many uh, shooters as we can assemble, I feel like that's always a good uh, case. What do you think about JJ Redick if he gets bought out by the New Orleans Pelicans, or is that too much like 
we just have too many shooting guards at that point. I wouldn't be opposed to filling the last spot with a, like, just pure shooter. Um, we have a lot of guys who are good shooters. I, that's the reason we started off the season with a pretty legit sample size. Like, we were, like, top five in the NBA. It's like a three-point shooting yeah. team for And a you long saw time, last right? night what happens when we hit threes again. It's just we're when unstoppable. When we hit threes, it's like, <laughs> I, you can't beat us, right? But there are too many guys like of one too many guys on our team that are like a little bit too streaky. Right. And so it would be nice to have one guy who, when everybody else is off, just throw this dude in there, run him around some curls and like he can catch and fire it. And JJ Redick, like he can do what he does on any team. We don't need him for defense. He might not even be a rotation player, Mm -hmm. but there are certain contacts where, Unfortunately, because Caruso's deficiencies offensively, I don't love Caruso and he should play as much as we we can afford to play him. But there are certain lineups where it's like, man, if that was not Caruso out there, like, and we had any sort of, you know, legitimate threat when KCP needed a rest and we just needed like a really legit shooting threat who could just come in cold and knock it down, I would, I would be all about Reddick. Yeah. Or just bend the defense a little, just a little more. <laughs> um, and, right, you know, right, JJ right. Reddick, he's probably more of a podcaster than a basketball player these days, but who cares? He's probably right. rejuvenated right. and ready to play. Uh, all right. With that said, that'll do it for this episode. Next week is the trade deadline. We'll probably get an episode out before and also afterwards if the Lakers do anything exciting. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. And we will catch you next week. Tommy, later. Peace. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.